Welcome to the Creation Innovation Podcast. I'm your host, Elizabeth King. Together, we'll have conversations with incredible human beings who have taken their creative outlet and turned it into something innovative. From people leaving the corporate world to be eight-figure entrepreneurs, to people who have created books, created a family, or just creating to have fun in the world. We are all in a journey to create something amazing in our lives, and I hope that you find some inspiration of your own here. This is the Creation Innovation Podcast. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the Creation Innovation Podcast. Today, I am honored to have a recent graduate from FCA, Fertility Coach Academy, I should say, Irene Yikaza from Ecuador. So she's representing our Latin community. Welcome, Irene. Hi, Elizabeth. Such a pleasure to be here with you today. I am so excited to talk about this because I feel like in our bubble of the United States, people don't recognize the worldwide how many Latin speaking countries there are. And, you know, it changes, of course, whether you're in Europe speaking Spanish or South America or whatnot. But even still, a lot of the overall um, philosophies around Latin countries and all of that are pretty similar. So today we are going to kind of dive into some of the things that fertility based countries that speak Spanish, Latin based countries would be facing versus what we may know in the United States. So um, first, let's hear a little bit about your story, if you don't mind sharing for our audience today of how you came to become a fertility coach and what you know, what you led you on this path? Yes, of course. Um, I was diagnosed with infertility five years ago when I was 35 years old. Um, the first step here, well, what I my journey was prior to that when I was 34. I went to the doctor, like feeling really responsible and saying, I want to start a family. So I'm ready. What should I take? What should I drink? And let's have babies. <laughs> and a year went by where nothing happened. And here... Um, now that I know, I could have done a lot of tests prior to having my year to be diagnosed with infertility because I have PCOS and my husband has uh, low motility in, in his sperms. So okay, we were never going to get pregnant naturally, you know? Right. Now, is it common for like for you to be proactive to do that? Is that is that normal or is it most people in your country or Spanish speaking countries, because I know in the US, we're always told like, be careful, you're going to get pregnant. If you have sex, nobody tells you that it's very, you know, you can only have, you can only get pregnant in certain times of the month and whatnot. So what made you think maybe I should go to the doctor and find out what I need to be doing? Did you have an idea that perhaps something was wrong? No, I did not have an idea. I was like, I was married for three years then. So I was like, I am gonna prepare myself. We weren't that careful because we were already married, but there was this idea. Um, they gave me birth control pills because of my PCOS prior to, to getting married. And they were like, don't worry. Once you leave them, you're going to get uh, pregnant so fast. There's this myth that when you leave birth control, you are really fertile on the <laughs> next month and you're going to get pregnant like this. Okay. And that did not happen. So I was like, okay, maybe I should go and just ask what the steps are. Cause evidently I'm not getting pregnant, just doing it the old fashioned way, you know? So I went to the doctor and he told me that since I'm 
I, I'm younger than 35. I should have regular sex, unprotected sex for a year mm-hmm. before considering any other option. Even he, though you had a diagnosis already yes. in PCOS. Mm-hmm. I had the diagnosis, but he was like, yeah, but you're, your numbers are normal right now. Maybe they weren't optimal, but you're fine. You're in a good, um, you have a good weight. You're healthy, even though I had this. So let's just go with take prenatals, folic acid and go have fun. Mm-hmm. And is PCOS a common, like commonly spoken about in South America? Would you say? No, now that I know more about it after your course, obviously, um, I don't think it's very well explained. You know that PCOS is a metabolic um, problem. It is a diagnosis that not necessarily consists of you having cysts in your ovaries. Correct. Yes. You can have other other si- signs of of an issue, right? Mm-hmm. They were just like, you have this, take your birth control and now and metformin, I took metformin as well. And now you're you're fine. And at that time, we didn't have that much access to internet as we do now. So mm-hmm. I was like, I'm following doctor's orders. Yes. And people here think that yes, I'm I, I hear a lot of young girls say that Yes, I have uh, PCOS, so that's why I'm taking birth control. Like, it's really something cool, and that's fine. And it's like, you have no idea what you're doing to your body. I did not I did not have an idea of what I was doing to my body. So that year went by, and I think emotionally, it's, it's really a burning year, you know, because sex goes from being something pleasurable and fun to being something you have to do on certain windows and certain. So I did everything everybody sent me to do. Like you have to have sex every day, every day of the month. You have to have sex skipping one day. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you have to raise your hips. Legs. <laughs> that could help the, and I did not raise my legs. I had, I did stance after having sex. <laughs> I, I was like, after the six months, I was like, there is something wrong here. And and uh, take maca, drink maca, uh, take this tea and whatever, or, or have this. And it was all like these crazy things I was doing, but there was nothing like a guidance and the north and things well done, you know? Right. After the year, our, our relationship was burned out. We, we were not pregnant, obviously. And we started this path. I've never, I never heard of the word infertility before leaving mm. it. And you right. feel like you're thrown off a cliff, like good luck. And, and yeah, that's sometimes it happens. That was the answer doctors would give to me many times. And then I went from my normal gynecologist to the uh, reproductive clinic and started all these exams and trials to understand what I have. But it was a diagnosis that I already knew. Because I already had insulin resistance and PCOS. Right. We what was new what that was that my husband had also problems to conceive. Right. And was never going to be able to do so. Mm-hmm. The thing is, if the doctor would have sent us to have a, a spermatogram earlier on, we would have stopped this. We have we would have been earlier on with the process, right? Yeah, and I know that's controversial because I, I always tell people, it, those are those are exact s- examples of why I think we shouldn't wait six months or a year. Just go.
go get the lay of the land, see what's happening with both of you. So, you know, your starting point, right? If somebody tells you wait six months or a year, you've just, in some cases, wasted six months or a year, right? When you could have really prevented this if you had known from the get-go. And I think more doctors are becoming more open to just running those tests ahead of time. But I mean, I will say it that I tell people this, tell the doctor you've already been trying, even if you haven't, right? Because just get a starting point. And there are, Irene is not unusual in her story. There are so many people that I have worked with that have a very similar story. And they may have already been going a year more, you know, three years to some people because they didn't actually go to the doctor until later because they thought, well, I'll just, I'm young, I'm just going to keep trying, only to find out there was blocked tubes or sperm issues or whatnot. So I am really a believer, even though it goes against, you know, medical advice to, to get in to see a doctor right away before you are going to start trying. So you know what you're working with. And the, the lay of the land, the exams are so simple. They're maybe uncomfortable, but they're simple. So you can do them and say, okay, my, my husband's sperms are in really good condition. I have a good ovarian reserve. We know that infertility, there, there, infer, infertility, there's a lot of other aspects that are involved in. Yeah. But having your test done, it's like the fastest and best way to know where you're standing. Right. So I do believe, and now with my clients, it's like I have clients that have not been diagnosed with infertility, but I tell them like just go get your test done, and we'll start start from there. Because yeah. you're not you're. During a, an infertility treatment, you have this emotional roller coaster. So starting with fresh, knowing that, okay, my husband has issues with his sperms or whatever your diagnosis is, instead of waiting that year, that emotionally is going to get you more burnt out. Right. So it's not just the physical part, but the emotional part of from the get go you're saving yourself a lot of frustration during that year or those six, six months you're supposed to be trying and waiting and seeing and getting frustrating tests after te negative test after negative test. Yeah. I could not agree with you more. Yes. Yeah. So, well, then I went to the doctor and he said that I was 35, so I should do a hyper stimulation and an ovarian hyper stimulation to get the most eggs out of me and to freeze the ones we were not going to use. So I did that. I went in my, my road was IVF from the get-go, not IU or some, some other procedure mm -hmm. because of our condition. Right. So um, I got that and the hormones were really hard on me, but my body was cooperating. I did yoga on that time. I was with, I, without knowing, I built my own team of experts. I had a nutritionist. I had an endocrinologist. I had um, my yoga teacher and my best friend was a psychologist. So it was like, perfect. Without knowing I had my team, you know, your fertility team. So Correct. yes, awesome. it was fairly easy. And I got four embryos out of uh, my treatment. We froze three and one was transferred to me and I got pregnant fairly easy. Amazing. That's my first daughter. And I was like, I cried a lot prior to this, but see, this seems to be a piece of cake that it wasn't that hard. You know, I got pregnant and now I'm starting my family. 
two years down the road, I'm like, I'm ready. COVID hit. So we paused first to have our next treatment. And when we realized, when we realized that this was not going to be a 50-day shutdown and that's it, that's when we decided we should go again with the next treatment. So um, my daughter was a year and a half when I started it again. And I was very confident since my experience was that, that this was a piece of cake. And I did not became conscious that all the things I did prior to it, like nutrition, exercise, psychology, like everything helped. I just went in and the doctor said, like, you need to lose five pounds. I was like, that's easy. I can lose them and we'll start the treatment. Perfect. I started the treatment, but I was in a lot of stress with a baby, with COVID, with everything going on. I did not realize that my emotional state was going to affect the outcome so much. Right. So I got pregnant. My markers were very low at first. Then they went up. So we celebrated this. When you pregnancy. say your markers, your beta test? Yes, yes. yes. Your HCG uh, numbers? Okay. Yes, the numbers were very low. So at my first call with the doctor after the transfer was like, they're low, but probably it's because we did the test on the day 10 and maybe the implantation happened later mm -hmm. on. So let's give it a couple of days and come back on three days. I went back and they're like, they're like, yeah, your numbers were really good now. They doubled, so you're pregnant. And I went and got and was very happy and very pregnant. And four weeks went by. And when I had to go do the ultrasound, um, I had some spotting, some bleeding. So I went scared to the doctor. Right. But I did the vaginal ultrasound and it was, everything was clear. So it was like, maybe... It was some residues or something, but you're pregnant. Uh huh. And then one day later, I was bleeding. And um, I they sent me to bed rest. And I lost my baby on week seven, seven of my pregnancy, seven, eight. So sorry. Yes, it was awful. It was on my daughter's birthday. Like Aww. everything got together. I was very emotional. We were preparing my two-year-old now to to blow her candles she was like very very excited about it and I was dealing with this um I want to be happy for you but I'm really sad for the other part right and then I, I celebrate my daughter's life so much because it was so hard and I think she's such a warrior that mm -hmm. it was really really hard at that time yeah and then um I lost that baby and when I try to get some explanation of what happened but what went wrong or whatever the doctor was like yeah sometimes these these things happen mm -hmm. that was it I went in immediately for a second treatment and I did I had an unsuccessful treatment and that's when I decided to pause because I emotionally I was not feeling good mm -hmm. I was like if I lose another baby please send me to the to the psychiatrist or something because right. I'm can't take so it and I healed, I started healing and I started wondering how is it that we women, we need to walk this so lonely because friends can help you. They can hug you. They can understand you to a point, mm -hmm. but it's not. And a psychologist can also do that, but it's not the help you need. And that's when I found you. <laughs> like I was starting to woman here need to 
to be helped, to be understood, to be um, taken care of. And I don't see that with any of the people because they haven't been through this. Yeah, that's a similar, I, we've never had this conversation before, but it was after my first, or yeah, after my first loss too, that I thought, okay, I'm going to change my life coaching business that I've had for 13 years at that time to work on fertility because of that same exact thing that people need yes. to be supported. Because that the, the doctor's answer of, well, I'm sorry, but that's how it goes sometimes. Yeah. So, uh, and we need to prepare you for your next treatment. It was like, I haven't even grieved and you're talking to me about something. I, I'm, I, I was really loved there. Yeah, they, they treat it like it's just another day for them at work. And for yes. us, it changes our life, you exactly. know? Exactly. Exactly. In fact, when I remember that time, it was Christmas. I love Christmas. It was December. And I'm, I, I remember it very great because I was yeah. not in a good emotional point. Right. So I started this, this healing process with you. And I understood that fertility has a lot of other um, points to be taken care of that don't include the lining of your uterus, uterus or how well you are on your um on your cycle day and what day you are but it includes other things like how inflammated are you or what are your sleep habits or your stress how how high is it or not your emotions how are you emotionally how are you spiritually and once i understood that and i started making these changes on myself it's when i saw that with my first I even I when I when I was in my first treatment, I wrote letters to my daughter, to my spirit baby. Oh, beautiful. So without knowing it, I was talking to my spirit baby because the whole process I was writing to her. Yes. And I understood that I did a lot of things without knowing uh -huh. that are part of our coaching business. Yeah. And that other people do them as well, you know? Yes. I always say to people that become coaches. You, you kind of already know that you're meant to be doing this before you're doing it. Like there's always something in you. People are, you're the one that people comes to, to talk to. You're the one that's proactive about the doctor's appointments. You're the one that is curious about learning about things, you know? So, and the fact that you were already doing these things just means like it fell into the right place at the right time for you. Yes. So I went back to yoga. I went back to healing, to eating well, to, I did, I learned with you about the um, food, food, food intolerance test. I did yes. that and I lost weight so fast because hormones did take a toll on me after the three previous sure. treatments. So I got myself in a good health position to help others. But and I would say even prior to that, you, it wasn't that you had a lot of weight to lose. I just want to no. let people know that it wasn't as though um, you would see Irene and you thought, oh, you know, she won't be able to get pregnant unless she loses weight. It wasn't about the weight. It was more about getting her body to a place where the inflammation was calm and yes. her body was able to receive um, the, you know, the healthy situation that she was getting into. Because I think some people are told, oh, well, you need to lose weight in order to get pregnant. Now, I don't necessarily agree with that. I think there's extreme cases, but for the most part, that's that's not really it. It's really about how to get your body in a state where it's the primed for conceiving, really. Healthy eating, healthy, healthy doing everything. I was a size 12, a pant size 12, and I lost to a size eight. So I wasn't that overweight, you know, but what I was, and I lost 
weight or inflammation so easily in a month I lost like 15 pounds yeah seven kilos you know yeah I always use the example too for myself you're just reminding me that when I did it first I had been eating so much um like fish and shrimp and all these things that I thought were healthy for me and they were not. And as soon as I started eating right for me, which was like cheeseburgers and, and potatoes and French fries, all the things that I thought was bad, I lost eight pounds right away. Um, and you would think, oh my gosh, you went from eating salads and fish to meat and potatoes and I lost weight. And it just goes to show everybody's body is different everybody's body requires something for it to be in its optimal stage and that's where finding out where what your specific food intolerances are really just gets your body quickly to where it needs to be it's a game changer because it starts to to react differently to every supplement you give your body to to the the needles and the hormones it starts receiving it without yeah. fighting other things because you are on a really doesn't matter how much you wait it matters that you are healthy yes that you're giving your body what it needs yeah it. and there's degrees of that right so because people will say well i got pregnant and i didn't have to do that and that's great if you did but most of the people that we're talking to are either trying to get pregnant naturally or, and are not having success and are very frustrated and discouraged or going through an IVF or IUI process and it's it's frustrating. So we want to try to do everything that we can to tee up our body to be in the most successful, optimal, primed state as possible. So can it happen without doing it? Yes, but we want to have this like baby that comes that is healthy and the pregnancy stays and it's strong and all of those things. And in doing that and, and preparing our body by what we eat and the supplements we're taking and, and avoiding the inflammation, we're better off. Yes. And there's also something that's very important for me. And it was the emotional part. Since I was um, a student at the FCA um, coaching academy, I learned a lot of tools with you on how to handle, how to help others. But since I was my first client, I was applying them to myself. And I, I think there's a difference, like a day and night difference between going through an IVF treatment by yourself with your family and friend support and everything, but not with a professional and going it with someone that knows where you're going through, that has been, that, that has gone through it, that knows your anguish and your 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 stress and how nervous you are and how nerve-wracking it can be to be waiting in the operation room before going in to have your transfer. Um, so having this support, having you text me like small messages or thinking about you and having the tools that you gave me throughout the coach, the coaching sessions to do it, it's a game changer. Emotionally, I went in and no matter how the result from my last embryo was going to be, I was very at peace with myself. Yeah. And I think that lightening the road is as, as more important as the nutrition part we've been talking about. Absolutely. That's the one thing that I've heard so many times over the years is I feel more at peace and I feel more calm even go before they get their outcome. It's mm -hmm. just, they, those, if I could have a dollar for every time I hear, I feel more at calm, I feel more at peace going into it. 
it, it really does make a difference. And there's studies that show that it does. So it's not just myself and Irene here saying that it does. There's been Harvard studies that have done work on this to show that it, it actually does make a difference in your journey. It increases the probabilities of a, a pregnancy. Yes. During treatment. So, and even though if there was no, there were no studies, I can tell you after four treatments, having this support is, is worth every dollar, you know? Yeah. You are your own study, as you say. <laughs> yeah, I was. Yeah. And a successful one. So. Yes. So now you are 27 weeks. 27 yes. weeks. Amazing. With a, a baby boy, which is baby so boy. fun. Yeah. Yes. It was my last embryo. So that's the silver lining of all, all of this. But, but being a coach and being able to help other people has been such a blessing in, in my life to, to have people not walk the same path I did, which is so nerve wracking and so hurtful, but to walk it and feel more lightweighted, like feel you're, you're holding the hand of other people to go through it it's it's a very good opportunity yes and i think people need to understand this is just a short time right it's you're just having that person for this time in your life it's not going to be forever this this will be something that you that will pass right they say this too shall pass and you will have this person to support you in this very small period of your life when you're in it it feels so heavy it feels like it's going to be forever and when will this ever change i remember saying to my husband i just want to talk about something else i want to have a new conversation i don't want to talk about how are we going to get pregnant when am i ovulating what are we doing next like can we like i just wanted to move on with our life to to something else and when you have the support of a coach that's working through it, you have the outlet of someone other than your your spouse or your partner as you're going through it. So it doesn't feel so heavy on the relationship when you're when you're working through it. So I think in so many ways, it's a small period of time that feels like it's longer than it is. And you will get to the other side. And it's really a matter of how do you get that support so that it makes it easier and more calm and more peaceful when you're going through it. It's a small period of time, but a, but a very intense one. Absolutely. There yes. is there is very few things in life that are more intense because you don't hear about it much. So you're not prepared. You know, you've hear, you hear people going through divorces. You hear people having heart attacks or go, having cancer. You don't really hear about people going through the the infertility journey. And if you do, you don't really hear the the, um, the emotional aspect, the emotional of aspect and the, the heaviness around it. Right. So for getting back to Spanish speaking countries, Latin cultures, what do you think the biggest obstacle they have um, with, around fertility, maybe I from think, an emotional think, standpoint and a medical standpoint? I think there are a lot of challenges here beginning with the access to medicine and to um, ovulation tests, for example, you don't have things like ovulation tests or progesterone tests or the home kits where you can measure your, the, the, the way your sperm, your sperm works. Mm -hmm. You don't have access to that. You have to bring them through Amazon and they're really expensive. So people tend to not do it. Right. Uh, sex education here. It's very, the country it's more, most Latin countries are very Catholic. So, um, 
talking about sex is such a taboo mm. and it's such difficult. You have very high rates of um, teen pregnancies because you've not been edu educated about it. In fact, I was not educated about PCOS or other symptoms. It's, it's like, just take your breath control and we don't ask things. Right. I think we have a better access to internet now. So that helps um, get information more out there and be more available for us. But the fact that it's it still is such a taboo to talk about things like infertility or challenges to, to conceive that the emotion that that brings a lot of stress to the people who are having challenges to get pregnant, you know, so it's very difficult to talk about it. Right. Because pregnancy and motherhood here are so romanticized. It's like, oh, so you're waiting. That's so, so lovely. So sweet. It's mm -hmm. like you need to be in this gracious state all along your pregnancy and when you get married it's like oh you're gonna have kids so fast and people start like not addressing the elephant in the room right just like even in couples you don't talk openly with your couple like maybe we're having some challenges here oh gotcha mm -hmm. so um so that's that's that I think it's it's very difficult yeah you have also the um, the sexist factor here. And I've had a few clients like, yes, I don't know how to tell my husband to go and have his sperms tested. Yeah. Because it's like you're emasculating them or something. And right. it's really hard to open up with them to like, just go do your test. And that's not going to make you less of a man than if you have any, any problems, you know? Right. I think part of that is just having a standard test, right? So that it just it just is so it has nothing to do with the masculinity or not it's we're getting ready to have a baby you get your test you get tested and i get tested and it's not a and thing right exactly. so that it doesn't feel that way because it's the same in you know american culture as well i think it's the conversation is more open probably than the the latin cultures probably still but but it is there to a degree like no man wants to find out that perhaps their sperm is not yes. what they think it should be but because we're having the conversations about it more and more they're understanding that it's a thing and it's actually quite normal and you know it's not it doesn't mean that they're less of a man it just means we we need to help fix this situation so I think there's a lot of education that needs to be done here in, in Latin American countries yeah. that's not related to any religion or that, you know, they, they tell, they teach us to fear our reproductive system. Right. They teach us to, you have to avoid uh, anything related to that because uh, you may get pregnant and you're too young or whatever. So yeah, we think birth control pills are the best thing ever because it's going to prevent me from ruining my life when right, I'm young. Right. And we don't know about the, the secondary effects. Well, people I, I know now, but people don't. I have a right. lot of of debate with my younger cousins or nieces and they're like, but my doctor says I'm going to get pregnant fairly and whatever. Same and here. Like, Same no. here. <laughs> no, it's really frustrating there because you're trying yeah. to educate people. Right. So the education and the prevention rather than the, okay, you have the illness now, the prevention, it's not spoken about so much. Right. So that's, I think, uh, is key to 
know about our, our cycles, our periods, to respect them, to honor them, and to understand that it's our fifth vital sign. Yeah, and it's not it's not a religious issue, right? It's it's not anything about that. And I think that's I, I would probably need to go back and do some research on this because I haven't in a lot of years. But I do think actually the Catholic Church has changed some of their rules um, as of more recent that it has changed. And I think it's educating the older generation as well, right? Of it is possible to change because I think that they feel if they go against the what has been previously that the church, quote unquote, was saying is meant to be done, then they're going against God. Right. And I think there's a way to educate both generations to say yeah. this is no longer a religious issue here. And I think, you know, again, we I'd have to do some research because I don't want to speak out of turn, but also, you know, just the basic education of how our cycles work and what to look for what to what are the red flags to know that you might have an issue because if you know you know at 15 and you've already had your cycle for a couple of years if you know that there's something that's off you can address that earlier without getting on the pill there are so many natural ways to, yeah. to be able to to fix things the pill is like a band-aid yeah and then you so, have to deal with a a bigger infection under that band-aid later, you know? Exactly. But there's no education around that. So the it's like it's like kids when they felt cool because they were smoking cigarettes. Yeah. Teen, and you're like, I look so cool because I'm smoking. Right. The same thing, but uh harming your reproductive system. Exactly. So I think that's a, a huge challenge here, the the education part. Yeah. And I, I know for a lot of people, and I was probably the same way when you're young, you're not really thinking about that. You're just thinking about right now, right now, I don't want to get pregnant. So right now I'm going to do this, right? You're not thinking of the long-term effects of how this can really affect me. And the more that the people around us have those conversations, so they know their aunt has gone through IVF and what that means, or they know, um, you know, somebody else, they'll recognize, oh, okay, maybe I better think twice. I, I often say it's like, the organic craze that we have in the US. You know, everybody's so quick to have organic meat and grass-fed butter and all of these things that are really nice and clean to put in our bodies, but yet we're we're stopping our reproductive system, we're putting hormones direct into our bodies with um the birth control pill. So I think finding a way to speak to this younger generation so they understand as well that it's you you can prevent pregnancy now in a in a way of understanding your cycle and doing other things it doesn't have to be just the pill we're not saying to people go out and get pregnant when you don't want to absolutely not but you know that there's a way to understand it to to move forward there's a nice and kind way to take care of you yes to get pregnant when you don't want to but being kind to your body as well yes i agree yeah well, thank you so much for being on the show today. I am so happy to know that we have somebody that we can count on to help us into this other side of the world that is, you know, sometimes unknown for us from the US. And like I said, there's so many Spanish speaking countries uh, and and Spanish speaking countries that are really doing a lot with IVF and fertility and all of those things. So the need for more and more people to show up in the world in that space from the Latin countries, I think is huge. So thank you, Irene, for what you're doing. 
Yes, and and understanding one of the most my my aha moment was understanding that I'm that infertility infertility doesn't have to um, like make you um, it it it's not something you you are like I'm not infertile I have a diagnosis right and that that is such an important thing because you start to talk about other things then absolutely absolutely. So thanks again, Irene, for being here, and we will talk soon. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Creation Innovation Podcast. Make sure to follow us on Spotify for free episodes and subscribe to the Creation Innovation Podcast on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you choose to get your podcast. Don't forget to rate and review the podcast wherever you're listening for a chance to receive a special gift. Yes, we actually do send out gifts. It's my favorite thing to do. So visit us at elizabethking.com backslash creation innovation for more information on how to enter. Every review counts and we are so grateful. You can follow me at the official Elizabeth King on Instagram or TikTok. Until next time.